Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from the letter that He wrote to us. All right, hello and God bless you. Welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to be picking it up in the book of Revelation again, chapter 18 and verse 11. Now, in our last study, we finished the seventh vow in chapter 16 and then moved into chapter 17, which is a very important chapter to understand because it gives you this vision that John was showed of the beast and of the harlot, that whore of Babylon, or confusion, that one that took in all the idolatries and everything. And then not only do you are you shown that, but then that angel that was with John breaks it down and explains it to you step for step what each of those things is, showing us that that beast is not this weird mythological creature <clears throat> with seven heads and, and, and the ten horns, and it's just this horrible, just fear-inspiring creature, but it's actually a political system. It's that one-world political system that is controlled by Satan. The first half of the hour of temptation, he will be controlling it behind the scenes, and then that second half, he comes out trying to show the world that he's God, even trying to show himself that he's God. Then we moved into chapter 18, And that's where the seventh trump sounds and that great city of Babylon, that great confusion that's around the entire world at that point is destroyed. Now, whenever we get here to 11, we're going to start talking about these merchants again that we talked about in verse 3. And one thing to know about these merchants, if you take it at face value, you can think about the economy and material things. But the book of Revelation is very spiritual. So if we take it at a spiritual value, and we use chapter 17 with the explanation of the seas, a merchant that travels on the seas is one that's going in and out of the people. They're traveling, traversing within the people. And so they would be buying and selling, but not material things. They would be selling souls into captivity, into that that, that spiritual captivity of confusion. And at this point here in verse 11, we're going to hear about these merchants again. So let's go ahead and get right into it. We ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. Verse 11 reads, And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, her being that city of Babylon, that great city, that that system of confusion. For no man buyeth their merchandise any more, Well, why would they not buy their merchandise? Why would they not buy into that system? Because Christ has returned. We're in our spiritual body. We have 100% recall. We understand the true Christ from the false, but we understand truth from lies. Therefore, nobody's going to be buying that stuff anymore. They're going to be fixated on the true Christ. Verse 12. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thine wood 
and all manner of vessels of ivory, and all manner of vessels of most precious wood, and of brass, and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and souls of men. <clears throat> There's no need for any of that in that spiritual dimension, except for that souls of men. You, know, you want to hold on to your soul. You want to trust in God. You don't want to be selling it to one of these merchants. Not that you can sell your soul. God created all souls and he owns all souls. It tells you that in Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 44, I believe, that God owns all souls. So you can't give something away that you don't own. But anyway, verse 14. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee. And thou shalt find them no more at all. All these little lustrous pleasures that they were fooling with. All these little idolatries. All this stuff that just sounded so good and just, oh, it looked so holy and looked so royal and, and priestly. You ain't going to find those anymore. Not the fake ones. But that one that comes back with the true bow, that true glory, Shekinah glory. That's what we'll be seeing. Verse 15, the merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. They know they have messed up going out there and doing her work far. <clears throat> Verse 16, and saying, alas, alas, or woe, woe, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. It's so pretty. It's so royal. It's so just holy looking. Verse 17, for in one hour, that hour of temptation, so great riches is come to naught. And every shipmaster and all the company of ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea, stood afar off. All that commerce... All that trafficking of souls, if you will, has come to an end. Verse 18, And cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? They were so wrapped up with all this stuff. They're so upset about this. Verse 19, And they cast dust on their, head, uh, on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, the great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour she is made desolate. They were made rich. What happened? Satan comes in peacefully and prosperously. And all, all they that had ships, all they that received that mark in their hand and would go out and do his work were made rich by his riches, not by the riches of God. Verse 20. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets. For God hath avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city, Babylon, be thrown down 
and shall be found no more at all. At the seventh trump, all confusion is gone. You've got to remember, Babylon is from the root of Babel, which is translated confusion. So when this great city is torn down, that means all the smoke and mirrors, all the lies, they're gone. Verse 22, And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee, and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee, and the sound of millstone and the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of earth, and by their sort and by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Something about this word sorceries, right quick. This is the word pharmaceutica, and this is where we get our word pharmacy from. So it's the drugs and dreamers that are causing, you know, it's a shame to have to go out and buy some illegal substance to try to catch a, a, a high. And at this time, they're going to be using that as, oh, well, hey, come on, you, you want to get real spiritual? Let's, let's come on over here. We'll, we'll have us a spiritual, uh, a spiritual high right quick. Now, if you look at all these things that were taking out the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters and the craftsmen, all this stuff was, will be used to push that false religion. And it's going to look so good, so holy, but it's going to be the, the Antichrist. Verse 24, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all that were slain upon the earth. And all of the confusion that slayed so many souls from the beginning will be cast down for good. All that confusion. All right. Chapter 19, verse 1. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, the true God. For true and righteous are his judgments, and for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Now, just want to say one thing on the fornications and this harlot, and uh, how God explains this. You see, as humans in the flesh, we can't understand idolatry. We really just can't wrap our head around that because we're not to be worshipped. But we can understand adultery. We can understand fornication and how that would really just tear somebody up if their partner were to do that, if their husband or wife. And so that's the reason God uses that analogy or that metaphor of, of adultery and fornication to try to better connect with us to show how he feels about it. 
All right, verse 3. And again, they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. That should spark your mind to Psalms chapter 37. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God, that sat on the throne saying, Amen and Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. Now, fear can also be revered. You see, those who are in the good with God, if you will, that follow God and trust in God, we're going to revere him, respect him. Those who have been caught slipping, those apostates, they're going to be fearing him. Verse 6, Then I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of many thunderings, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent, omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Now, if you look at that verse, the marriage is here. It's time for the marriage supper. It's time for that wedding but then what did it say? And his wife has made herself ready. Well, he's got this bride, and then he's got a wife. What would that be? The wife are those who have already been predestinated, those elect. That's the wife. And the bride are those who were not the elect, but did follow God, that did not bow a knee to the beast or to that system, or receive those seals, or those marks, but stayed true to God. Verse 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. You wonder what your robes are going to be made out of? The robes of righteousness, made out of the righteous works that you've done. And you know, sometimes people put themselves on guilt trips on righteous works and, well, I'm not doing enough and I'm, you know, maybe this or maybe that. You know, just a smile to somebody that's having a bad day that cheers them up, just holding the door for somebody. You know, helping somebody carry a bag of groceries or something. Any, all that's righteous works. It don't have to be this huge spectacle. It can be the smallest of things. Verse 9, And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now watch this verse 10 carefully. And I fell at his feet to worship him. At whose feet? This angel that's talking to him. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. Don't worship angels. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You see, angel worship, you can't do that. We're not to worship angels. And if you really break it down, what is an angel? An angel is a messenger in the spirit. They were created the same time we were created. They are our fellow servants. We're the same. 
we just happen to be in the flesh right now, whereas an angel is not in the flesh. That's the only difference. But at the seventh trump or whenever it is that that decree gets sent out that we're to return to God, then we will be in the spirit again. <clears throat> Verse 11. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness does he judge and make war. This is that that true white horse, not that one that we read about in the first seal. Verse 12, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, not just one crown, many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, that, that blood of the lamb. And his name is called the word of God. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. They had those robes of righteousness. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He's going out there. And he's cleaning it all up. And that sword that goes out of his mouth, that's his tongue. That's the word. It's able to go in there and on one side cut out all confusion and on the other spot teach that discipline and build you up and continue to grow the truth within him. Verse 16, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sat on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Now, one thing about the angel that cried to the, the fowls here, if you remember in Zechariah chapter 14, we covered that at the seventh trump in that day, the flesh would melt off of a man who was standing. And this is... At that time, we're in the spirit. And so these fowls are coming in and cleaning everything up. They're, they're disposing of all that that we don't need anymore. We're no longer in that flesh age. We're in the new spiritual age. Verse 20, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet, that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, of, of fire burning with brimstone. All right, so the beast was taken and with him the false prophet. 
Now these are two offices of Satan. He's going to be the one standing out there falsely prophesying that he is God. And then that beast, that's not talking about the beast system. That's talking about him, the dragon, that position of power. And if you, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that God has three offices, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Satan, being that one who copies, will also have different offices. Whenever he's preaching, he'll be the false prophet. Whenever he's guiding or controlling that political system, he'll be the beast. And then he's also the Antichrist, Lucifer, Satan. So these two offices have been stripped from him, that power and that false prophet, because nobody's confused by him anymore. Everything's clear. And so that's blotted out, those two offices. But he still will be alive due to the fact that he still, even at this time, at the time of the millennium, there is still a purpose for him to serve. Verse 21, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. You see, Christ is coming back and he's setting everything right. He's putting that truth out there. And any of the wicked souls, he's just he's he's cutting all that confusion out. And that truth is going forward. Now, as we get into this chapter 20, this is the millennium chapter that explains what's happening during the millennium. Let's dive right on in. Chapter 20 and verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, that millennial kingdom, that day of the Lord. And one thing about this chain is that whenever he is bound, when Satan's bound this time, his spirit will not, it, it'll be bound also. His spirit won't be able to go out and tempt anyone because we'll all be in the spirit at that time. So he will be completely bound where he has zero influence on any of us at all. Verse 3, And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Now, why is it that he would have to be loosed a short season? It's because those who did not have the opportunity to hear the true word in this flesh age. And, you know, many might say, well, how is that possible? There's a church on every corner and this and this and that. Yeah, but how many churches are really teaching the truth? really preparing the the body of Christ for this spiritual conflict that's coming? How many of them are really preparing their people for, hey, Satan's coming, you got to be ready. He's coming as Antichrist. He's going to look just like what we expect Christ to look like. You're not going anywhere. You're going to be here for it. At that sixth trump, there's no flying away. There's no, you just, it's our duty. 
to stand for God. And if they're not prepared and they've not heard the true word, well, then how can they be faulted? So during this millennium, they will be taught discipline. This is how to stand. This is how not to fall for him. He's going to be cut loose. He's going to tempt you. He's going to try to tell you, come on, we, we can take him. Let, let's, let's just all of us gather up and we can take over heaven. And during this millennium, we're going to be teaching, you don't fall for him. That's why he's loose that short time at the end to test those who receive that, that truth during that time, who receive that discipline to understand what's going on just to see if they'll fall or not. Now, one thing about him being in the bottomless pit, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 16. What's, what are we going to be doing whenever he's in that pit? This is what's interesting here. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 6, verse, verse 16, excuse me. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. Oh, excuse me, let me back up to 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. That being Satan when he's cast down into that pit. And they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? And did shake kingdoms? He come in there with the one worldism and he spread all these lies and deception that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof that opened not the house of his prisoners. Now, one thing about is this the man? That word man in the Hebrew is ish. Is this the mortal? That's what that means. It, it's ish in the Hebrew is man in his frailty meaning weakness. So what they're doing, they're walking by and looking down in the pit and going, really, that guy? That guy deceived the whole world. How did that happen? All right, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. And which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, let's move over to Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 15, just to talk about the living and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. Ezekiel, if you start in chapter 40, all the way to the end, has to deal with that millennial kingdom. There's more written in Ezekiel about it than anywhere else in the Bible. So Ezekiel chapter 44 and verse 15. But the priest, the Levites, the sons of Zadok. What is Zadok? It's the righteous. The sons of the righteous one. Those who followed Christ. Those who were chosen from the foundation of the world. That kept the charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me. During that hour of temptation. They shall come near to me to minister unto me, and they shall stand before me to offer unto me the fat and the blood, saith the Lord God. Now, we're being a spiritual time here. So what are these sacrifices? Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. 
God said, I don't want your burnt offerings. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. So we'll be loving on him at this time. Verse 16, they shall enter into my sanctuary and they shall come near to my table to minister unto me and they shall keep my charge. And it shall come to pass that when they enter in at the gates of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments. That's those robes of righteousness. And no wool shall come upon them whilst they minister in the gates of the inner court and within. They shall have linen bonnets upon their heads and shall have linen breeches upon their loins. And they shall not gird themselves with anything that causes sweat. And when they go forth into the utter court, even into the utter court to the people, they shall put off their garments wherein they ministered and lay them in the holy chambers and they shall put on other garments and they shall not sanctify the people with their garments. Verse 20, neither shall they shave their heads nor suffer their locks to grow long. They shall only pull their heads. So you're just going to have a nice haircut. Verse 20, neither shall any priest drink wine when they enter into the inner court. Verse 22, neither shall they take for their wives a widow, nor her that is put away, but they shall take maidens of the seed of the house of Israel or a widow that had a priest before. Now, some people that that can really trip you up if you're thinking well, we're in the spirit at that point, And Christ said that we will be as the angels there will be no given and taken in marriage. But if you take this word for wife. What it means is a partner or a helpmate. Now, how did Christ send out the disciples in pairs? So let's read it that way. Neither shall they take for their helpmate or for their partner a widow nor her that is put away. At this point in time, the church of Christ, the bride of Christ, or the wife of Christ, is no longer a widow. You see, because Christ is there. Whereas the harlot, that one that, that played the harlot, the whore of Babylon, is now the widow. Because her false prophet and that beast is cast into the fire and brimstone and Satan is put in the pit. So those apostates are the ones who are the widows at this point and or that have been put away. Those that turned right there at the last, they, they just got that little hint of, yeah, maybe this ain't right. And so they put themselves away just right at the last minute. But they still fell for him. So what he's saying is you can't take a helpmate from one that was deceived. Be sure that you stay over here with those who always had their mind on Christ, with those who were sealed, that they understand the word, they understand the discipline, and can go out and help others. Verse 23, And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. And in controversy they shall stand in judgment, and they shall judge it according to my judgments. And they shall keep my laws and my statutes in all mine assemblies, and they shall hallow, hallow my Sabbaths. So what are they doing? They're teaching the law. They're teaching that discipline. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. Verse 25. Now this is who we get to talk to. And they shall come at no dead person to defile themselves, but for father or for mother 
or for son, or for daughter, or for brother, or sister that hath had no husband, they may defile themselves. Meaning, if one of them didn't make it, you can cross that gulf. You got to remember, this is in paradise, in the millennium. And this is where Jesus would talk about Lazarus and the rich man. There's that gulf that's uncrossable, except for the Zadok, except for those who were chosen and stayed with God. They can cross that gulf and teach those who are on the other side of it that didn't quite make it to discipline themselves against the temptation that will come back at the end of the millennium when Satan is released. All right, we will pick it up in verse 5 in the next study. And then we're, we, we'll get into the second death and the second resurrection. God bless you, and y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691, or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.